want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives to share their top tips for success with you. Uh, really excited to have Jessica Higgins on the line today. She is the managing partner of Curated Investments. Uh, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so I can see here, I mean, you're, you're a serial entrepreneur, lots of, lots of experience. You've created companies in technology, finance, consulting, healthcare, and politics. I also see your first book, um, 10 Skills for Business Communication, released at number one on Amazon, new releases for uh, communication. So you are a busy woman. <laughs> It always makes me tired when people read my bio. I go, oh, geez. I like to try to do it in one breath, and I don't always do it correctly, but I kind of got this one down maybe. <laughs> nice. Good work. So so let's talk about a little bit more. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned to you uh, previously, I have a lot of listeners that are just graduating college. Maybe they're one to five years out of college. Let's talk to them for a little bit. So you're a serial entrepreneur. You've done a lot of different things in that space. For, for that, let's just start. How did you get into being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's funny. I I hate using that word because it didn't always mean the cool kind of Gary V connotation that it has now. It just kind of meant um, back in the day, like when I was 13, 14 years old, I started coding websites and selling people websites. And, you know, by 15, I had started this business and then this business and then this business. And I was like, I remember, I mean, just being, having the early stages of the internet accessible to me, um, I just was always like a reckless kid who wanted to make money. And so um, that is kind of the spirit of, you know, the people who don't fit in the, the regular boxes of the kind of corporate world today. We, you know, we run around making, making crazy things. So um, I would just say, you know, what made me an entrepreneur was being born at the right time and having cool parents who put a computer in my hands at a young age and, um, yeah, just making things happen on the Internet. Um, so do you think, I mean, you said born at the right time. I mean, you know, that, do you think now is the right time? I mean, for people to go into becoming entrepreneurs? It's so funny. I was actually reading through um, poetry from the early 1900s. Um, poets were complaining about, you know, nobody listens anymore and everyone's so obsessed with themselves these days and this is the worst time to be alive. And I feel like Everyone thinks every age is the best and the worst time to be alive. And the truth is, as humanity, our problems never change. Um, I think we just have to take advantage of what we're given at this time, right? I mean, imagine being like one of the first people who had a printing press on your hands. You could have definitely made a ruckus back then as well. So um, I would say, you know, it's an interesting, it, for me, being born at the right time because I'm an introvert who does well with computers and not so well with people. So if I had to go around with a public speaking career, I probably would have failed. So I think it's about understanding what you're good at and having the right tools available to you. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a right time to be an, an introvert in this country and, and around the world. And, you know, we're hyper-connected and we can make anything happen. We don't have any barriers to entry. It's not like, you know, I'm a five-foot-four girl, you know, who's been doing this since I was a kid and nobody knows the difference on the internet, right? It's all just about the value that you create for other people. So from that perspective, I would say, um, for me, yes. You know, I think for many others, yes, as well. 
What would be your advice to, let's just say, the let, let's talk to the introverts for a little while? Because I don't think I, I'm an introvert, even though I do podcasts and I do a lot of other things. <laughs> I like to say I'm a I'm a trained extrovert, so I so I do have to get on stage from time to time. But I, um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I home I wouldn't leave home as much <laughs> as I do if I did if I if I you know had the choice not to. Um, but let's talk to, and I don't think introverts get enough, um, play in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, focus. So let's talk about that a little bit more. If, if you were, if you're not, let's just say you don't want to be the Gary V type, or you don't want to go out there and have to be on stage, and maybe you don't want all the, some of the additional attention on the side. I mean, what's your advice to them going about it as an entrepreneur and finding their, their path? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's like it's like the boxes issue, really. It's, I think the real issue is people being afraid to talk about introverts like they're afraid to talk about anything, right, is that we have these social constructs, and if you're in the right box at the right time, then that's the cool thing to be, and if you're in the other boxes, well, too bad for you. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind social constructs because you have to understand that being in a box gives you a certain set of skills. It's no different than being an INTJ or an ENTJ, and so – you know, using your box to your own advantage, whatever those boxes are, you know, ethnicity, gender, um, neurodiversity, and and just leveraging it. Because like you said, I mean, I have to get on stage and do, oh, my God, I'm occasionally keynotes and stuff. And it's like I would rather do anything else other than that. And so I actively try not to have to do speaking engagements. And, and I'm like you, you know, I get my energy sitting by myself and creating. And, and I think it's there was a long time in this country where you had to be an extrovert to be in, in the corporate world and you had to fit in a certain box. And I think that now that we're in this new creative economy and gig economy and startup land and the entrepreneurs that we see, you know, half of them are not even born in this country in the United States. And there are all of these kind of box breaking ha things happening right now that I think a, just understanding that it's okay to be in the box that you're in and accepting it and self-actualizing to what it is so that you can utilize your energy in the right way. And then B, just figuring out an alternative way to get where you want to go because we can all make it happen. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, getting creative about how we get to where we're going with our goals. Love it. Um, and yes, Jessica, I am an ENTJ last time I took that assessment. So um, good guess. But uh, <laughs> let's, um, let's, uh, let's transition a little bit. I want to hear more about what you're doing with curated investments. Um, who are your clients and how do you help them? Yeah, so talking about breaking boxes, um, I am a marketer by profession, and I just happen to work largely in finance, um, technology, and fintech. And so I'm really good at telling human stories about businesses that would otherwise be maybe not connecting to the average person or above the average person's kind of realm of knowledge and expertise. And so what I found was that when I was marketing these fintech companies, these finance companies, and I was talking with people, everyone is kind of scared of these industries because they don't, first of all, it involves money. And anytime that something involves money, the stakes become higher because that's our livelihoods. And then second, there was just a lack of like, comfort with the the educational awareness and, and level of competency of the average person where I found that many of my girlfriends had fifty, a hundred thousand dollars lying around in cash because they were too scared. They knew that they didn't know enough about the markets to be able to invest well in them. And we all hear these horror stories. We all had to watch these awful horrors of like the ICO market 
you know, and all these crazy things. We've seen so many people lose their money. And, you know, I'm a person who likes to go in and dive into things and figure them out. And so I, I would have never thought I would be saying this last, this time last year as a marketing professional, but um, this year I've created a fund of funds. And what a fund of funds does is it uh, goes out and finds alternative investment strategies that are the, you know, the best managers, the best investment strategies, um, and then just combines them into prepackaged portfolios for our clients so that we can leverage, you know, what is actually happening that's the best out there in the finance world and bring it, you know, bring it to um, individuals so that they can grow their wealth. And so I, I'm very happy to say that, I, you know, we're doing really, really well for our clients and delivering, um, delivering a lot of value to them, you know, and, and having that understanding that I can, I can take to, you know, my, you know, my friends, my colleagues and, and people that I care about so that I can take what I've learned and help other people in the finance world has been extremely exciting for me. And I should note that um, this is all, you know, just kind of come about organically as an outsider. And I think there's something really special about having an outsider who comes into a new industry and kind of shakes it up in its own way. And that's, that's something that's not new. That's something I've been doing for probably 10 years and what would be the defining factor in all of all of my entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah, and I and I'm a big fan of the fund of fund models. It it just it's just really um it just makes sense. The days of um an investor going in and doing all of the research themselves, I mean it just it just rarely happens anymore. Um it's not I mean we'd all like to think that we could do a Warren Buffett style of investing, but the bottom line with Warren Buffett and I don't know if the, what the exact number is and I, and we all get the same memes on LinkedIn or infographic, but he's spending what eighty percent of his day, give or take ten percent reading. Um, how many people out there are spending eighty percent of their day reading company reports and reading financial statements? If you're not, then you probably aren't going to be able to to make the same type of decision that he is. So fund of funds is a great route to really. Um, to be able to invest over a larger um, landscape and to kind of diversify and spread out some of the risk um, versus maybe um, spending 80% of your day reading so that you can figure out if it's the correct um, one investment or a couple of investments for you to, um, to pursue. Um, so what do you think about the future of the market um, just in terms of fund of funds? I don't mean the, the stock market itself this year because oh, you're guessing that yeah. is, a, is a waste <laughs> of time. I mean, um, I mean, fund of funds and fintech because I think your knowledge in that is, is, is very interesting. No, yeah, I, I love what you just said, too, because it, it really, and it ties into answering your question, it, it really reminded me of how I felt when I was first getting into finances. I it, it like while Warren Buffett was reading his book last night, I was rewatching um, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street and just thinking about how much that applies to every single finance manager and structure I see today and how like not that much has changed because what I, I'm kind of an outside catalyst. I like to see things that are broken and fix them just because of who I am by nature. And what I was seeing so much is you have all these wealth managers and at the end of the day, it's about the money that goes in their pockets. They're just looking to generate their returns. And like you said, I mean, is the, you know, there are all these different market theories that are out there, but is anybody really winning? If you look in the private sector, um, so I have a, a hedge fund that's performing in the top 2% of all hedge funds in the United States, right? And so that's an alternative investment strategy that, that I personally prefer 
over, you know, so many people think that the that finance and investing is like all stocks and bonds. And there's just so much more fun and exciting things that are happening out there. And um, to answer your question about, you know, the future of, of investing in fintech, one, one funny uh, discovery that we've made is that the best investment advisor is actually not a person, it's a robot. And so everybody has this idea of their, like, old school investment advisor, you know, and he takes you to the baseball game and he's your buddy. But that guy doesn't know any more than anybody else. And you can use all these market efficiency theories and, you know, portfolio management theories and stack them all up. And as Warren Buffett says, you're not going to beat the index. So if you already have, like, the best, all of the data that we have out there and all the investment strategies we have out there, if you can aggregate that in a way where you have a robo advisor that is just managing your fund according to your risk and portfolio or your risk and reward um, needs, then you're going to perform probably better than having trusting some random guy. And I think it's okay to, you know, move into this fintech space and automate certain things, but then also create um, you know, individual checks on other things as well, because we can't just use um, AI, we can't just use big data, we also have to use the, huma you know, the humanity of things, which is, you know, our human spirit, getting creative, paying attention. And so I think that the future of investing lies somewhere in between um, utilizing technology and utilizing, you know, humans in the creative way that we should be thinking and coming up with those innovative strategies, but then having, having robots execute on them for us. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's there's a lot in there that you said. So some of it I agree with. Some of it I some of it I wouldn't. I know, I know you don't. Great, well, there's a lot of great investment managers out there, and there's different things. So I don't think anybody's really claiming. I mean, most of the time when you think a large cap, it's pretty it's pretty efficient market. So I don't think that there's too many um, out there that are claiming. You know, over a long period of time, they may have done pretty well in that. But there's a lot of other areas where value adds and international and other markets can be had through active investment management. But um, overall, I have to agree with your thought process on, um, on where fintech's going and making things more efficient. And they're de it's definitely bringing down prices of investment management. And it's also, I think, giving, um, it, giving it, um, the end client access to higher level individuals that they maybe wouldn't have had access to in the past in the terms of financial advisors and otherwise. Um, because with FinTech now, a financial advisor who maybe could only have between 100 and maybe 150 clients and service them properly um, can now have upwards of 200 to even 400 and, and be able to accomplish the same level of estate and financial planning um, that they just wouldn't have been able to do even 10 years ago just because the, or maybe 15 years ago. No, I'd say 10 years ago because the, um, the systems to actually manage all the data just weren't um, the interfaces, just all of it. It just wasn't up wasn't up to par to really allow an advisor to scale and to um, again provide that level of service so that they could have a, a larger practice and not be you know let's just say filled up so to speak. Um, and so I, I think it's it's a win-win. I think across the board, the more technology that gets introduced. Um, the better it's going to be for um, for clients and the advisors alike. Uh, so all great stuff. So Jessica, if somebody's interested, they want to learn more about what you're doing and contact you. What's the website, or what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Sure. So uh, my website for my fund of funds is curateinvest 
com. My email address for that is jhiggins uh, at curateinvest.com. And my name is Jessica Higgins. It's H-I-G-G-I-N-S. You can read about my entrepreneurial stuff that I've got going on at jessicahiggins.co. I blog there daily. A lot of my press um, goes up on there, and a lot of my different companies and information about everything I'm doing goes up on there as well. So there are plenty of ways to get a hold of me. You can um, Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, jessicahiggins.co, spelled out D-O-T-C-O. All right, perfect. Well, hey, Jessica, thank you for coming on the show and uh, giving us your time. And to the listeners, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Have a lot of more great stuff coming up for you later this week. And don't forget, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. Uh, Thank you, Jessica. Have a wonderful day. 